Well, howdy, A&M Church of Christ and our many guests who are joining us via the Internet this morning. Thanks so much for being here. You know, we may not be together physically, but we're very much together spiritually, and that makes all the difference. I want to begin this morning by wishing all our moms a very happy Mother's Day. I know that I am super grateful for my mom, Audrey. Here's a picture of us uh, from just a few miles away uh, from where I grew up. Uh, several of you may have lost moms this past year or in recent years, and so today might be a little more difficult for you. Uh, please know that we love you and that we're thinking about you today. This morning, we continue our sermon series entitled Rescue, and we're focusing on the purpose and power of lament. Last week, we looked at Psalm 88, the darkest of the lament songs. Today, we look at Psalm 34, one of those psalms that showcases what's possible on the other side of lament. So let's begin by setting the context for this psalm of David. Psalm 34 is an acrostic poem. So in this case, each verse, with two exceptions, begins with successive letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It is a psalm of David. When he pretended to be insane before King Abimelech. I'm sorry, what was that? David, the man who was about to be crowned king of Israel, pretended to be insane. Well, in order to understand Psalm 34, we need to understand the story behind it. So let's take a look at 1 Samuel chapter 21, beginning at verse 10. That day, David fled from Saul and went to Achish, king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. David took these words to heart and was very much afraid of Achish, king of Gath. And so he pretended to be insane in their presence. And while he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the doors of the gate and letting saliva run down his beard. Achish said to his servants, look at this man. He's insane. Why bring him to me? Am I so short of madmen that you have to bring this fellow here to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come into my house? Well, if we keep reading, we would find in the next chapter that David and his men ultimately leave King Achish and flee to the cave of Adullam. Now, some scholars believe that he, along with some 400 men, may have spent anywhere from three to six months here, most likely in several caves in the area. And it's highly likely that while lodging at one of the caves of Adullam, that David, who had just escaped the jealousy and rage of King Saul, who had just said goodbye to his best friend Jonathan, who had just escaped from the king of Gath, it's very likely that David, who is now in a place he never expected to be, writes the following words. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. 
He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their cry. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. Well, I wish we could sit together and simply read this psalm over and over again in community. Because you see, just like David, we find ourselves in a place where we never expected to be. Could any of us have imagined even a few months ago that we would be fleeing from a common enemy, separated from many of those we love, and living in less than ideal conditions with so many rhythms of life disrupted. Now, I think David could really relate. He had already been chosen by God to be Israel's next king. He had been appointed by Samuel as God's chosen leader of his people. You see, the favor of God was on David. David had killed the giant. He was a hero in the eyes of God's people. His future was determined. His goals were obvious. His path was straight. David was on his way. But then life began to unravel. Saul's jealousy reared its head. It escalated to the point that David's life was in jeopardy. If he stays close to Saul, David's going to die. And so the young man who was on track to be welcomed as king, he's now on the run. Almost every expectation David has at this point is broken. So at this critical point in his life, a time when David could have blamed God, a time when he could have thrown his hands up in the air and said, you know, this just isn't fair. When he could have stayed in those caves for many more months or possibly even years, a man for whom almost nothing 
worked out like he hoped. At this critical point in his life, David worships God. And we don't have time today to review every verse of Psalm 34. But I do want to focus on a few key elements, a few verses, and a couple of phrases from this powerful psalm written during a time when life was very uncertain, but when faith in God was not. It took time and effort for David to put this psalm together. Now, making a mistake here, surely the Holy Spirit's at work, but David is not a, a puppet with the Holy Spirit's hand simply pulling the, the strings. God works through David's gifts and through his talents and through his circumstances, and he allows David an opportunity to process what's going on around him and then to respond and worship to God. It's not easy to create the very complex acrostic structure that David constructs in Psalm 34, but it's in the wrestling that David gets stronger. And I think there's a really valuable lesson for us here. As we reflect on what's going on around us, to what action is the Holy Spirit prompting us? Are we listening? And more importantly, are we responding? Psalm 34 is a psalm of worship. It's meant to be shared and experienced with others. In verse 3, David writes, Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So when on the run, David chooses to not go it alone. Actually, a little later in his life, when David is by himself, he's going to make decisions that cause tremendous pain and suffering. And so the truth is, there is power in community worship. And I can't wait to get back to it as we gather in the not-too-distant future, in Jesus' name. There are so many key verses in this psalm to choose from. Time doesn't allow, as I said earlier, for us to examine all of them. But I do want to focus on a handful that I find especially meaningful when I consider our response to broken expectations. Psalm 34, verses 8 and 9, David writes, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. I want us just to pause for a moment and let that phrase, blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Let's let that soak in for just a few seconds. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We're going to see this phrase again in verse 22. But in that instance, David is not just talking about the blessings that occur in God's refuge. He takes it a step further and expands on the idea that there is not even any condemnation 
for those who put their trust in God. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. On this text, Gerald Wilson notes, we too often identify divine blessings with getting the goods. In one way or another, how blessed, we think, is the one who is financially secure or well-respected or whose family is well-balanced and happily trouble-free. We thank God for the blessings of health, comfortable living, and even national security. In doing so, we rightly acknowledge how much all aspects of our lives depend on God. The trouble is, is that we may come to associate divine blessings exclusively with such external evidence. I think that's why David ends the psalm with a greater focus on how God's love is ultimately manifested. Not simply in saving David from danger, but ultimately delivering him from every danger, every struggle, and every broken expectation. A few key phrases. The first from verse one. David writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. This is no matter what language. It's our testimony, even in the greatest of trials. It is, as my friend Dan Warden notes, a hallelujah anyway. What a wonderful heart posture to consider, even in the middle of multiple broken expectations. In verse 8, David writes, Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is not a, a sampling to see which flavor suits you best. The idea here is to savor. That's something that can't happen in an instant. This is about drinking deeply from the well of God's goodness. Many years later, the Apostle Peter would write these words, showcase how savoring God, tasting God, his goodness, actually contributes to our maturity as believers. Peter writes, therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it, you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. David will also write in verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. And indeed he is. And it's so important to remind ourselves of this truth, especially when we find ourselves in places we never expected to be. I challenge you to revisit this psalm intentionally and often over the next several days and weeks. Read it silently. Read it out loud. Sing it. Pray it. Share it. For no one is condemned who takes refuge in him.